And I think that it's obvious that if I was not in this level of health from a whole food plant-based diet after I got the virus, I, I don't know how I could have possibly survived it. That really helped me through and minimized my symptoms and helped me get through it in the shortest period of time possible. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thanks so much for giving the show a listen, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. And you are here as we address an important question, and one that has been asked now for months since the beginning of this pandemic, really. And that question is, if I eat a healthy vegan diet, can I still become infected with the coronavirus? If I eat nothing but plants, can I still get COVID-19? Well, today you will be hearing from a gentleman by the name of Eric O'Gray. And Eric dramatically overhauled his diet and improved his health, went whole food, plant-based years ago, and still became infected with COVID-19. So we will be speaking with him on the show today. What was that experience like for him? How sick did he get? What was it like going through it? But perhaps most importantly for Eric, the question becomes, how differently may things have played out had he not been eating a healthy diet? We're going to find out when we speak with him. You know, his wife also became infected. And they live with her 96-year-old mother. So you can imagine that this was quite an ordeal for the O'Gray family. And here's the really interesting thing about this 96-year-old mother, Eric's mother-in-law. She, not too very long ago herself, adopted a vegan diet. And so on today's show, we will be breaking it up really into three parts. The first part will be devoted to Eric sharing his story about COVID-19, surviving, getting through it, what you need to know. But the second part is really what could be one of the most incredible stories ever told on this show, because his mother-in-law. God bless her at 95 years old, adopts a whole food, plant-based diet, and sees her health just go through the roof. And so you will hear Eric talk about her transformation, how she went from being largely sedentary, maybe a little bit down in her mood, to now being happy and healthy and up and moving around and smiling and talking and walking two to three miles a day, not to mention astounding her doctors. 
Josephine Stagnero. This is the woman's name. Absolutely incredible. So we will be hearing about her on the show today as well. The first part of the interview was recorded on The Exam Room Live. And then I asked Eric to stick around and tape something exclusively just for you here on The Exam Room Podcast. So it's broken up into two parts, and I really think you're going to get a lot out of it. And then also on the show today, we will be having a Q&A with Dr. Neil Barnard and Dr. Jim Loomis when we open up the doctor's mailbag. This was a great segment taped recently on The Exam Room Live. We're going to be answering a ton of questions like, should I be eating oatmeal for breakfast every single day? And then we had somebody write in, was wondering about osteoporosis in plant-based diets. And then another person was wondering about iron on a plant-based diet. Where does it come from? Do I need supplements? We're going to find that out on the show as well today. So big, big, big pack show. But let's start right now with the story of Eric O'Gray and his bout with COVID-19. Eric, thanks for joining us today, my friend. Great to be here, Chuck, and thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. And let me just ask you right off the bat, how are you feeling? Feeling a lot better. Um, I did put on about 20 pounds as a result of uh, getting uh, the coronavirus, but life has returned to normal and I'm getting back down to my regular routines and I'm planning to start, um, you know, re-engage myself in running and the other physical activities that I was doing before uh, the pandemic struck. So let's talk about this. Uh, a lot of people wonder, well, I eat plant-based. I eat a whole food plant-based diet. I'm like next level vegan, super healthy. I know that you fall into that category after turning your life around. Was this a surprise to you that you were uh, infected? You, you know, it's my understanding that everyone has an equal risk of contracting the virus and that no particular lifestyle is going to give you an edge onto whether you're going to get it or not. In other words, the virus doesn't discriminate between uh, uh, different lifestyles. However, I believe that based upon the extreme level of health that I was in before I contracted the virus, that that really helped me through and minimized my symptoms and helped me get through it in the shortest period of time possible. So what I'd like to say is that I um, was really in compliance with all the national guidance about what to do and what not to do. And, you know, the respect given on going out and wearing face masks and everything. And my wife and I were both pretty much in compliance. We were uh, mostly staying at home and self-isolating, going to the grocery store about once a week and maybe Lowe's or Home Depot every couple of weeks just to get, you know, materials for home uh, home improvement projects. So we didn't do anything. There was no partying. There was no, like, going out and being in large crowds. We even self-isolated from a local family who was not uh, living with us uh, because uh, we have a fairly significant condition here, and that's my wife's 96-year-old mother who's going to be 97 next week. Everybody say happy birthday to Josephine Stagnero. Who's going to be 97 next week, lives with us, and we wanted to be ultra careful so that we wouldn't catch the virus nor communicate it to her because if we did, we feared the worst, uh, rightfully, based upon the guidance. 
So based upon all that, somehow we still contracted the uh, virus and we're in a fairly low communication area. We're in Lodi, California, the Central Valley of California. And it wasn't, it's not, it's not a hotspot and hasn't been a hotspot. So it's still a mystery as to how we got the virus. But as soon as we did, let me tell you, if you can possibly do anything that you can to avoid getting this, you don't want to get this. This was the sickest that I've been since I had meningitis at age 10. Um, you know, extraordinary fatigue, like nothing I've ever experienced before. Having to take six to eight naps a day just to get through, just following, falling asleep, uh, uh, severe headaches, um, lots of uh, uh, gastrointestinal issues, and just really severe flu and, and cold-like symptoms, <clears throat> chest congestion, uh, nasal congestion, lots of congestion, but really feeling like you, you wanted to lay on the floor and never get up again is, is how bad it was. And this continued. I got it. My wife got it about a day or two after I did. And this continued, I would call them moderate to severe um, uh, symptoms for about two weeks. Now, so what we did immediately was we realized that we had this or we suspected that we had it. So the first thing that we did was we tried to get an appointment to get tested. And so the appointment took a week to get. Uh, and, you know, you can you can go online and figure out how to get an appointment in your state if you if you suspect that you have this. But after we got the appointment, it was still a week after that before we got the results. So it was a week to get the appointment, a week after we got the results. And that had already been about a week into our initial symptoms. So we didn't get the results until about three weeks after we felt sick. But because we suspected that we had it, the first thing that we did <clears throat> was self-isolated in our home from my wife's mom because we absolutely didn't want her to get it. And miracle of miracles, she didn't. We felt that by self-isolating in the home, because we have a fairly large floor layout and her room is on opposite sides of the home from ours. She's about 100 feet away easily. Um, we felt that that would be a lot safer for her than going into like a nursing home or some kind of like community uh, facility because we couldn't control that environment at all. So we successfully self-isolated from uh, my wife's 96-year-old mom, and she did not get it. And uh, it just, you know, very thankful for that. How long, uh, well, how quickly did these symptoms uh, come on? Did you start feeling sick and then a couple of hours later you were just flat out or was it a gradual progression over a number of days? I would say that within one day of initially suspecting that something was wrong, I felt like I got hit by by a truck mm. within about mm. a day. It was that quick and it was that severe and it stayed with us. So, you know, all these folks out there are saying, well, you know, I don't think it's going to affect me. This is not a big deal. This is a restriction on my personal freedom or whatever. I'm telling you, you don't want to get this you, because if you get this, this will change your life in one way or the other. I still have marginally lingering symptoms of like excess phlegm and things of that nature. I mean, it's going away quickly now, but it's been uh, about eight weeks since I first felt my initial symptoms. And I'm, I'm telling the listeners, it's worth the precautions. It's worth wearing the mask. It's worth social distancing. It's worth washing your hands. And if you don't do that, you're playing Russian roulette. Uh, look at the example of Herman Cain this morning, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh. Passed away, very unfortunately. And, and he's had it, uh, I guess, since the... Uh, 
uh, Tulsa rally for Trump about a month ago. Yeah, they they uh, say that they don't know exactly uh, when when that happened, but he he was at that event. Um, I, I want to ask you. You said that you had some gastrointestinal uh, issues. So, what was your diet like as you were at your your sickest? Were you still able to eat relatively healthy? Yeah. So, uh, my wife and I have always been well. I, I've been a uh, whole food, plant based vegan for ten years. And that's how I lost all my weight. And I've been in extreme health. And when I went whole food, plant-based vegan, I felt so much better, so much more quickly than I'd ever felt in my entire life. I mean, it was just like I had stepped out of the matrix and I felt so good. It wasn't like I was giving up anything. It was like, wow, I get all this just for doing these basic changes in my life. So I was absolutely committed to whole food, plant-based, vegan nutrition, and it's not something that I've ever retreated from or stepped back from. So that's the food that we had in the house, and that's what we uh, ate through the – continued to eat through the pandemic and or or through our symptoms, and I really feel that that's what's helped us out. The the negative lingering part of this was, as I mentioned originally, I did put on about – 20 pounds because I've not been able to, I had, I stopped working out when I, when the, um, when we got sick because I just had no energy and no, uh, no ability to work out really. I mean, I couldn't pick myself up off the floor, as I mentioned, and that weight gain came fairly quickly. And I don't know if that's caused by the pandemic or just caused by the lack of exercise, or maybe I was eating a little bit more than normal because my eating really didn't slow down during the pandemic. I didn't, experience a loss of appetite. I know that this affects different people in different ways. And they're uh, across the country, people are reporting markedly different symptoms uh, from people in other places. So the one, what I got was continue to eat, didn't work out, put on about 20 pounds. Now uh, I'm feeling better. And now I got to get back to work and take that off and, you know, just continue the extraordinary health and, and happy life that I had before we got sick. Yeah, you touched on this a little bit earlier during the interview, talking about how different things may have been, you know, if you were still at that 340 pound weight. And that always gets me to thinking about, well, when I was 420 pounds and checking off all of those boxes for the comorbidities that turn COVID-19 into the beast that it can be. Yeah, I, I really think that, man, I would be terrified. To be that size, be that unhealthy, and come down with this virus, knowing that obesity, hypertension, high cholesterol, you name it, is is really increasing the risk. I mean, you really have to be counting your blessings here uh, that you were in the condition that you were in. You know, I completely agree because 10 years ago, before I started this uh, health journey on a whole food, plant-based vegan diet, I had uh, type 2 diabetes. I was taking about 100 units of insulin a day. And about 15 out of their medications, including uh, high blood pressure medication, uh, statins, um, really everything for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, three different antidepressants, all sorts of different medications. And I think that it's obvious that if I was not in this level of health from a whole food plant-based diet after I got the uh, virus, I, I don't know how I could have possibly survived it because all the all these like other factors that they talk about on the news that, you know, if you have these underlying factors, well, I had three or four significant underlying factors that I'm I'm sure would have uh, not been positive for me had I not been on whole food plant-based diet. So I I would like to say that the virus doesn't discriminate. It's going to, it's going to infect you or not based upon 
you know, if, if you are in a proximity to somebody and, and the circumstances apply, you can't avoid getting the virus if you don't social distance and you don't maintain regular sanitary uh, uh, habits and everything that's recommended, you're only reducing your risk of getting it. But once you get it, if you're extremely healthy, you've got a much better chance of seeing it through to the other side with, uh, with a lower impact than if you have a lot of underlying conditions. Absolutely. And, yeah. If I could just give a, a plug also for uh, my mother-in-law, as I mentioned, she's 96, going to be 97 next week. She moved in with us a year ago, and she was obviously an omnivore when she moved in. And when she moved in, she had um, she was on diabetes medication, high blood pressure medication, fairly similar to my condition. She had uh, extreme diabetic neuropathy, poor circulation, and had had medical issues with that in the past. Just five weeks after moving in with us at age 96, eating whole food, plant-based nutrition, her doctor, and this is not like something that she decided or I decided, her doctor took her off all of her medications. Now she's happy and healthy. Her whole life has turned around at 96. She's walking uh, two or three miles a day. She sits out on our front uh, patio and just talks to everybody who walks by on the street. And, you know, her life has been blessed by whole food, plant-based nutrition also. So we recommend it for everybody, all ages, all lifestyles. This is good. And this will this will really help improve your life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you and I are actually going to be continuing this conversation later this afternoon. We're, we're going to record for next Tuesday's exam room podcast, which uh, plug plug, you can head over to the uh, Apple podcast or Spotify, look for the exam room by the physicians committee and hit that subscribe button. You and I are going to talk in depth about this because when you first told me about your mother in law a number of months back, I was like, this is the story of all stories that needs I'm to be telling told. you, you know, so uh, we'll, we'll have her live on the podcast at some point, not today because I haven't prepped her for this, but she's very lucid and she's got a great personality. And, you know, it, I think it'd be a, a great uh, addition to the podcast for sure. Oh, oh, fantastic. I'm so looking forward to that. So, uh, but before that, there's a question from a viewer uh, who's watching right now, a woman by the name of Crystal. She wanted to know, uh, had you been cleaning your groceries? That's something that's come up a number of times on the show. You know, my wife is very sanitary oriented and has been, um, she generally puts everything through a vegetable wash and uh, wipes down any plastic packages of like tofu and things like that that we buy. But we're eating mostly, and I would say at least 80% food in the natural form of the way that it comes out of the ground or you grow it in the supermarket. We've got a huge garden that we've planted in our backyard. We're endeavoring, we're aspiring to this year at least, produce about one-third of what we eat in our own gar garden and, and hope to take that up next year. But to answer the question, yeah, we did as best as we could. We both wear face masks when we go out. Uh, and let me say something also. We continue to wear face masks, even though our county health department and our healthcare providers have told us that because we've had COVID-19, it's extraordinarily unlikely that we can either be contagious towards other people or catch it again ourselves. But as a common courtesy, we feel that it's important to wear our face masks when we go out so that we don't create anxiety in other people and make other people nervous. We just feel that it's the cool thing to do. Absolutely. It's the cool thing to do. I like yeah. the way you put that. All the cool kids are wearing them. So we're going to be cool kids too, daggone it.
that was part one of the interview from the exam room live. But now let's turn our attention to part two of this interview with Eric O'Gray, taped exclusively for the podcast here. And this is where we will really be talking about his incredible mother-in-law, Josephine. 96 years old, goes vegan, and sees her health just go through the roof to the point where her doctors are just astounded. We're talking jaw-dropping results. And it just goes to show that it is never too late to improve your health. Picking up where we left off on the exam room live, still here with Eric O'Gray. We just talked about how you were able to power through COVID-19, largely in part to your plant-based diet. You said on the live show flat out that you did not think that you would have survived had you not changed your eating habits. That's a bold statement, man. It's it's real simple. Um, as I said on the, the live show, I don't think that COVID-19 discriminates between types of eating. However, if you're eating in a healthy way, and, and of course you will be on a whole food plant-based diet, and you're extremely healthy when you get it, you're absolutely alleviating the risks um, of what you know the possible outcomes and consequences are. And I'm saying that because, as I mentioned on the show, I had uh, before when I was an omnivore, I was 340 pounds, type 2 diabetes, uh, 15 different meds, and I just felt sick and unhealthy all the time. I had three or four major underlying conditions, diabetes and high blood pressure, being the most that they talk about, the most at risk for COVID-19. So I've been free of those underlying um, conditions for now 10 years on my healthy, whole food, plant-based diet. And so I'm not sure that it would have made a difference whether I would have gotten COVID-19 either way, but I am convinced 100% that I don't see how I would have been alive um, had I got it before when I was that unhealthy with that many underlying conditions because the people most at risk, the people dying most frequently from coronavirus are those with those underlying conditions. Now that I don't have any and I've been extremely healthy going into it, I was able to, in my belief, come out of it as healthy as possible on the other side with the shortest possible um, um, uh, duration that I was ill. Yeah, and and obviously I'm not a doctor, but I do think that you would be hard pressed to find someone who is who would disagree with your assessment. I think had you still been that old Eric, you know, we, you and I may not be having this conversation right now. So uh, I'm definitely glad that you are here with us today, my friend, and and having that turnaround, man, just remarkable stuff. Thank you so much, especially since I'm, I'm 61 years old and I'm also in the uh, older category as well. 60. Wow. The man admits his age, but 61 and still pounding the pavement, still out there running marathons, man. So you are a spry 61. Well, thank you so much, Chuck. You're too kind. (laughs) Uh, I want to, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about your journey in just a little bit, but I wanted to piggyback on something that you brought up on the live show. And that is your mother-in-law, who I understand is uh, having a birthday. She just had a birthday yesterday as the show is being released. So uh, happy belated birthday, Eric's mother-in-law, Josephine. Um, Tell us a little bit about Josephine because you told me initially about her months ago 
and the transformation that she had. And man alive, what a story this is. Well, you know, it's, uh, it is an extraordinary story because my wife's mother, Josephine, is 96 years old, 97 on August 3rd, Monday. And she had been living by herself for the last 30 years after her husband passed away. She'd been very independent, but had become a shut-in and had become more and more and more reliant upon uh, various different medications for her health. Her, uh, she had uh, type 2 diabetes. She was on uh, medication for diabetes and high blood pressure, and her medical stats weren't good at all. I'm not a doctor, but I, I saw them. She uh, is part of the Kaiser Network out here as far as her healthcare provider. So she's been receiving services from them. And so when she moved in with us, um, she wasn't really walking that much and getting around. She had uh, fairly severe diabetic neuropathy, really poor circulation, especially in her legs and feet. And it hurt for her to walk. And so she didn't really walk much. It's, you know, as you know, as you can recall, Chuck, when you get really unhealthy and it hurts to move, you stop moving. And that's, mm -hmm. that's when you got to do something to make a change. And so she moved in with us at my wife's urging. And um, I'm so glad that she did. And she is so happy that she did because she started immediately eating the healthy whole food plant-based uh, vegan things that we eat. And just five weeks after moving in with us, and this was last uh, September, five weeks after moving in with us last September, her doctor, she went back and got tested, had a full panel of blood uh, work done at Kaiser. And her doctor looked at this and he was, he thought it was extraordinary. He was so happy and he was, he was just blown away. Her, uh, most of her symptoms were normal. She only had a slightly elevated uh, glucose still, but he went ahead and took her off all of her medications, diabetes, high blood pressure, everything else. She has now been medication free for about oh, 10, 11 months and is super happy. Her entire personality has changed. She's happy. She now uh, likes to exercise. So she gets out and she walks two to three miles a day. We live near a park and she walks around the park several times and she's in a, a completely different person, happy and healthy. And, you know, thanks for wishing her happy birthday. I'll let her know and I'll send her, a, I'll send you a picture to put up on the, on the program. I would love it. And 96 years young and still having this transformation. This, this sounds like it should be a case study uh, in all honesty. You know, it's, it's so funny we hear about, you know, there's this perception that we get set in our ways as we get older. 95 trips around the sun by the time she moves in with you guys, you would figure she's pretty set in her ways. How receptive was she to the idea of overhauling her diet? Well, she was very concerned at first because like me, uh, you know, what I say is when I went vegan, I was 50 years old. I'm 61 now. When I went vegan, I could not recall a single meal in my entire life that did not include animal products. It, you know, it changes difficult and changes hard. So when you do something that's a radical difference from what you did before, especially the way you eat, because that is the core of our life, what we eat and what we go through on a daily basis, making that significant of a change, you know, you can look at it as 
a huge change or a small change, but it's really a, a big change because you're changing a habit that you've done every day for your entire life. I did it when I was 50. She did it when she was 96 years old. So imagine that's a huge change for an older person especially. So she was hesitant at first, and she didn't know that she would like it. But you know what? Um, we eat vegan food in our home, and if you want to eat in our home, you're going to eat vegan food, and it is healthy. And as all these different medical providers and all these different associations and organizations have said, a vegan diet is healthy for anybody at any point in life, um, you know, it, just depending. So try it. So she did. She had an open mind. She likes most of the food. There's a lot of things that she hasn't tried before that she's still kind of apprehensive about. But for the most part, her joy that she's experiencing right now in her life vastly overtake any of the trepidations and any of the uh, uh, concerns that she had before. So she sold and she's so happy and healthy that uh, I don't think that she would ever go back either. I want to go back to, you said it took five weeks for that, uh, all, for her doctor to begin taking her off of all of her medications. Like, was that a gradual process or did the numbers come back and they were just so out of this world extraordinary that the doctor was like, you can just stop that right now. So a month before she moved in with us, she had a, uh, a full set of panels, a comprehensive panel and went through like a complete thing and it was looking pretty dismal. And so what we suggested, because she'd had such a radical change in her diet, and I knew from my experience that it would affect her daily glucose level, and she did not want to be necessarily taking the same amount of medication um, uh, it, 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 that had been diagnosed for high daily glucose levels. She, she, she would want to modify that if the same thing happened to her that had happened to me. So just out of caution, of course, five weeks after she moved in with us, we had her go back to uh, the doctor, take another full set of panels, which happened. And then from there, uh, the doctor said that her, uh, her stats were basically normalized and he didn't see the need to continue on any medication at that point. So five weeks from going from, you know, a, a standard omnivore eating some, uh, you know, convenience foods and, and various different things to 100% whole food plant-based vegan off all the meds at age 96. It's a miracle. So the doctor is surprised. You call it a miracle. How was she? What was her reaction that day? She was thrilled because she hated the medications. The medications have side effects. No matter what medication it is, you know that when you're taking a medication, it's doing something to you. But virtually all medications have some sort of negative lingering kind of side effects or something that you don't like. Like um, really all the medications that I, I used to take completely – completely destroyed libido. And once I got off of that, you know, that completely changed around, which was a good thing. So all the, uh, all the things uh, completely changed for me. And I know that she was delighted to get off the medications because they made her feel tired and they, you know, had certain effects on her and all those things went away based upon a whole food plant-based diet. I mean, it's, think it's truly a miracle. Do you think she would be open to the idea of, of putting her study out or, or her uh, story out there in a medical journal as a case study? I mean, at 95, 96 years old to be going through that, have that kind of change, I would think that that is really going to raise, you know, a lot of eyebrows and cause doctors to have that, oh, wow moment. You know, I'll, I, I'll absolutely talk to both her and my wife about this, and I don't think that there would be a problem. You know, as far as my research 
is she may be the oldest person ever in the United States documented to have these kind of, this kind of medical correction based upon a whole food plant-based vegan diet. She, she could be the oldest person in the literature to have done this. So I think it is significant and I would like to, uh, to see this uh, uh, written up somewhere for sure. Yeah. And you talk about not just in terms of a, a plant-based diet, we, we know that uh, studies have shown that that can add years to your life, but it's not just adding years, it's quality years. You're talking about, she went from not walking very much to now walking two to three miles a day. And right. you said that her personality has completely transformed as well. She's a much happier, uh, more joyful person also. And I think that that is Really, uh, that is a huge benefit to all this is just the joy that you feel and experience in your life. If you can achieve that just by changing what you eat, why wouldn't you do it? So what are, what are some of her uh, favorite foods right now? You say you still, she's a little trepidatious about a few of them, but what, what are her go-tos? Well, she is uh, um, ethnic Italian. So um, my wife is very Italian and her whole family was Italian. So she loves Italian food. So we eat a lot of Italian food in our home, a lot of stuff with tomatoes and basil and pasta and things of that nature. And, um, you know, just occasionally as a treat supplemented with a little bit of uh, uh, plant meat type products, but for the most part, it's whole food plant-based. I'd say what's a hundred percent vegan and about, I'd say we're about 90% whole food plant-based but it's 100% vegan. That's that's fantastic. Uh, I mean, just please give her my best and, and, and birthday wishes. And I really do hope that not only her story becomes a case study, but I would love uh, hopefully to have her on the show in the future as well. I think that, man, if you, your wife, and she all got on here together and we just had a roundtable discussion, oh, what an hour we could kill with that, man. Oh, you know, that's, that's a great idea, like a three-way on my side. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. One of the things is she had been going to regular medical appointments up until the the whole COVID thing started. And now she's just doing uh, phone sessions like every three months with her doctor just for online checkups, just to reduce Mm -hmm. the risk of uh, going into a hospital, which my understanding is a high risk environment. So we're just trying to keep her sheltered and safe. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, she's she's doing great right now. And let's talk about you here for a second before I let you go, because, you know, this is a transformation that you know very well yourself. Obviously, you weren't in your 90s when you did this, but you really were circling the drain. The doctor told you if you didn't Absolutely. change your ways within five years, you would be dead. So for those who don't know your story, can you walk us through that here in the in the five minutes or so that we have left? Absolutely, Chuck. Thank you for asking. So in uh, 2010, I was 340 pounds on 15 different medications, including 100 units of insulin a day for type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure medication, high cholesterol medication, three different antidepressants, and medications intended to mitigate the side effects of other medications. It was just, you know, a walking cocktail. Um, Through a number of different things, I had a couple of rock bottom experiences. First, I was on an airplane that they had to delay takeoff because I couldn't fit a seatbelt around my waist because I had a 52-inch waist and I ran out of seatbelt extensions and I delayed an entire flight of people and that just felt, that was a rock bottom experience because I'd always been, you know, a responsible guy, you know, in charge of my own destiny and now I was um, uh, basically inconveniencing other people and that was a significant experience for me. And then secondly, I had a doctor tell me that 
you know, I just asked for some advice and he looked at my four inch file and he said, I've, I've given you everything that we have. And my advice to you is to purchase a cemetery plot because you're likely going to need one in the next five years. So I did a little bit of research and I started looking around and I saw Bill Clinton on TV and in August 2010, talking about a whole food plant-based diet and the China study and this thing that doctors had put him on to uh, reverse his heart disease and help him lose a little bit of weight. And he looked great. And I said, well, if it worked for him, maybe I should try that too. So I called around and I called around and I called around to find a health provider. And I said, you know what Bill Clinton's done because I want to do the same thing that he did. Because at that point, I had tried every weight loss program ever commercially marketed in the United States. I had cycled on and off Atkins for over 20 years, low carb, high fat. And, you know, I was able to lose a little weight, but then you gain it back and then some. And it was never like some, it was not a sustainable lifestyle that I could ever follow or practice. So I did finally find a provider, Dr. Preeti Kulkarni in uh, Milpitas, California, or Cupertino, California, I forget. It's in the, the Bay Area, South Bay. And she said, yes, not only uh, could she show me how to do that, but that's what she practiced and followed herself. And I said, wow, sign me up. So I went in and she uh, recommended two things for me that day. The first thing was a whole food plant-based diet. And number two was to adopt a dog from my local shelter so that I would start getting some exercise and start going outside because I had become a shut-in. I, I hadn't gone outside really. I stopped going outside except when absolutely necessary to maintain my employment. Um, and I was working out of my home. So I did these things and I adopted a dog from my local shelter and I strictly immediately went vegan. I mean, overnight on a whole food plant-based diet. And I started seeing my weight drop consistently by four or five pounds a week, week after week after week after week. And to me, it was like a miracle. How is this even possible? If I'm experiencing these results from such simple life changes, why isn't this the primary course of care shouted by the, off the rooftop by every doctor in the United States? So I went back to Dr. Preeti and I said, you know, how come I feel better than I've ever felt in my entire life? Why do I feel amazing. I feel like a superhero. How's that possible? And she said, well, it's because you're starting to feel normal and you've never felt normal before. And what a concept that was, right? <laughs> so I continued on this thing. And in 10 months, I lost hundred over 140 pounds and my waist dropped from 52 to 32. All my, my A1C dropped from 12.5 to 4.9, like all these things. And I became the person that I always wanted to be. And my dog lost weight and I lost weight. And it was like, it was like, and I had a relationship with my dog and I started coming out of my introverted shell and I started becoming, I got back into life is what I did. This put me back into life. Something that I hadn't experienced. I didn't have any friends. I hadn't dated in 15 years. And suddenly I was a normal person again. So there's a whole psychological thing that you have to do to adapt to you know, such a dramatic change, but I have, and, you know, my life has changed in so many wonderful ways that I don't know why everybody in America isn't doing what I'm doing to achieve the same results if they're not there. If what you're doing is not producing the happiest time of your life, and you don't feel like totally healthy, and, and you're not experiencing the same results that I have, give this a try. You've got nothing to lose, because here's the deal. You don't have to look at it like you're looking up at Mount Everest. And now I got to climb that. All you got to do is say, 
I'm going to try this for three weeks, just three weeks. And if I don't like it, I can stop and go back to what I was doing before. This is as simple as making a change. It's easier to do. I would say that going vegan is 10 times easier than quitting smoking. Mm-hmm. Because I've done both and I'm telling you, it is. This is way easier than starting a new job. All you got to do is make some changes and try it. You're not, even if you don't want to commit, like I'm going to do this for life and you know, I'm making this huge commitment and I'm going out on this quest to you know, find the Holy Grail. You don't have to look at it like that. What you're looking at it like is, I'm going to try these basic changes to my life for three weeks to see if I could achieve the same results and make the same major life transformation that he did. And I bet you can if you try. Oh, man. And, and you have uh, chronicled your entire journey in a wonderful book, Walking with Petey. Uh, and, and you've actually narrated the audio version of the book as well. Yeah. Narrating the book was my favorite part of the authorship experience because I went into a room with a couple of engineers and a producer and, you know, it was all this fancy equipment and I'm sitting in there and they, these guys with all this like fabulous equipment and all this glass screens and all this like, you know, these eggshell things on the walls, just all this stuff. And I said, well, what do I do now? And they said, well, it's up to you, man. Do it any way you want. <laughs> and so because I had complete license to do it any way I want, I narrated the book dramatically using the exact same words and the exact um, uh, tones that I experienced in real life when I wrote, when I, when I experienced these things that I wrote in the book. And the publisher loved it so much that they uh, annotated the book with animal sounds. So when a dog is barking, in the words or uh, a flock of geese are taking off or whatever the situation is, they have the actual animal sounds uh, in the narration. So it's a really lively narration and, you know, just bring tissues because you'll probably cry, but it's walking with Petey, the dog who saved my life on Amazon or on audible as an audiobook. Yeah. And uh, we'll put links to uh, both in the episode notes here. So it's a one-stop click for you to go right to it. And uh, we we have a global audience here. So how many languages is this thing printed in now? Nine languages now. Um, You know, it's Korean, Polish, German, uh, French, Spanish, Russian. And the most unusual thing to me, and this always cracks me up, is that in addition to translating the words of the book and putting them in the other languages, they usually translate the pictures also. So instead of using the actual pictures of Petey, they use like a stylized version, something that is more conducive to the dogs they have in that region. So in uh, the Italian version, um, Petey is very continental looking. <laughs> and in the Russian book, he's more of a, a tough looking dog. <laughs> but no, it's, it's really, uh, it's really delightful. And, you know, I'm so glad I still get hundreds of emails from people around the world telling me how much my story has influenced them and changed their life and, and made it feel real things for the first time in a long time and help them to start and get to the next level that they needed to get to have the confidence to try a whole food plant-based vegan diet to see if it would work for them also. And the majority of those who do stick with it and their lives change. So you should try it also, all your listeners. And isn't that the best feeling in the world when you know that you've made an impact on somebody else's life and then they too uh, will be paying it forward in the future and so on and so on. It's a wonderful feeling and it's better than anything you could ever own or possess. 
Amen to that. All right. So here's the deal. You need to go over to Twitter right now and give Eric a follow at Eric underscore O'Bray. And the website is ericandpd.com. There's a link to that in the show notes as well as links to buy the book and the audio version on Amazon. Eric O'Gray, thank you so very much for your time. Uh, I'm so proud of you for sharing your story, doing what you did and taking the time to walk us through COVID-19, what that was like for you being a vegan. And I'm glad that you uh, came out the other side, my friend. And thanks for everything you do, Chuck, and for the positive example that you set for everybody around the country. We all appreciate it. And once again, you can indeed find links to Eric's book, his website, the audiobook, all of that are in the episode notes. Plus, if you head over to my Twitter account or Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC, you can see a picture of Josephine. Spry 90, well now 97-year-old Josephine. Just yesterday turned 97 on Monday. So happy belated birthday, Josephine. You have become my hero. You are the person I strive to be in another 60 years or so. All right, let's change gears and move on and go back to the exam room live. And that is where we find doctors Neil Barnard and Jim Loomis. They are there ready to open up the doctor's mailbag and answer all kinds of health and nutrition and diet related questions. They fielded these questions live on the show. By the way, you should really join us Monday through Friday at noon Eastern on Facebook and on YouTube. So here's a sampling of the kind of questions that we have on the show for you today. Oatmeal. Is it great for breakfast every single day? And then what about nuts? Should we be eating them raw or should we be eating them roasted? And how much should we be eating? And then lastly, we're going to be talking about pureeing beans. Does that cut down on the fiber amount? We're going to find that out too as we open up right now the doctor's mailbag. Time to open up the doctor's mailbag and answer your health and nutrition questions. Dr. Loomis, I'm going to pose the first question to you, my friend. It comes to us from Pamela. She wants to know, how do I get iron on a plant-based diet? What foods should I be eating? So that's a great question. Um, You know, most people who eat an omnivorous diet don't have to worry too much about iron because they're consuming um, basically dead animal blood. Um, there, the iron that's in animal products comes, is called heme iron. Heme, hemoglobin is the protein in our blood that carries oxygen and there's iron attached to it. So when we consume animals, we're consuming some of their blood and we get iron as that is a source. It's, it's very easy for our bodies to absorb heme iron. Um, there's issues with heme iron though. Heme, heme iron is, is highly oxidative. It's highly inflammatory, um, so that it, there's an association between high levels of heme iron intake and things like heart disease and cancer risk and things like that. The other problem with heme iron is, is our bodies will absorb as much as we consume and we can't excrete extra iron. So the iron builds up in our, in our liver and it can cause a problem called hemochromatosis and, 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 and such as that. There is, however, there is iron in, in plants. Um, plant foods like legumes and even green leafy vegetables, molasses, um, all great sources of iron. However, 
the iron in plants is non-heme iron. It's not bound to hemoglobin. Now, there's some advantages to that because uh, heme iron, non-heme iron is self-regulating. So when your iron stores are replete, you'll, your body will stop absorbing extra heme iron. So you don't need to worry. You don't need to worry about iron overload. However, it is harder for our bodies to absorb heme iron. And the, 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 the key is you have to co-ingest it with a source of vitamin C. Vitamin C co-ingestion with non-heme iron you'll see absorption rates of iron higher than that of, of, not, of heme iron, in fact. Um, so the idea is, is that, you know, you put a little lemon juice or, or lime juice on a salad or put in a salad dressing, you finish off a soup or a stew, you snack on citrus fruits or high, other high uh, vitamin C uh, foods like, like bell peppers, an excellent source. So iron is, is more of a theoretic nut- nutrient of concern. It, but you do have to be diligent and, 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 and aware of the fact that you do need the, the, this vitamin C source to go with it. Uh, just to be clear, Harry, you're talking about eating these things together. What if somebody's thinking, well, if I pop a vitamin C supplement with breakfast, should I be good to go with that salad at dinner time? Will I still absorb that iron? Well, it's, it needs to be fairly proximal to the, to the ingestion of the of the, of the uh, of the, uh, of the iron source too, because you need it to, to absorb it. So it has to be both kind of in your stomach around the same time. There you go. Good tip. Sticking with you, Dr. Lomas. This one comes to us from Jeannie at 1159. She writes, unfortunately, I lost my job due to COVID and need to stay on a budget. Is it okay to eat oatmeal for breakfast every day? I love beans, rice, potatoes, pasta, and buy seasonal produce to also keep costs down. Sure. There's nothing wrong. I eat oatmeal pretty much every day. And, um, you know, there's a lot of tips to increase the nutritional, the nutrition that you get in oatmeal. Oatmeal is, you know, especially the, um, I'm not talking about the little packets of oatmeal that are full of sugar and additives. I'm talking about um, even instant oats, but or, or, or um, steel cut oats, um, rolled oats, um, that they're all healthful. Um, but you can increase the healthfulness by adding you know, and again, if you're on a budget, uh, you can buy big bags of frozen fruit, uh, blueberries at Costco fairly inexpensively. Um, you can get big bags of flaxseed and, and things like that, again, not without spending a lot of money. And by adding adding um, these various things to the oatmeal, you take something that's healthy and has, you know, five, six grams of fiber and five, six grams of protein into something that's really almost a superfood that's got now seven, eight grams of fiber um, and and you know, more than enough protein um, to help you get through the day. So, um, yeah, certainly there's nothing wrong with eating oatmeal um, every every morning. And uh, Jeannie, uh, as you continue your job search, hopefully prospects turn around. There's actually a couple episodes of the Exam Room podcast that I think you might find helpful. Uh, a while back, I did a two-part series with our dietitian Lee Crosby uh, called Vegan on a Budget. So if you head over to PCRM.org and you actually search Vegan on a Budget, you'll come across these episodes. And she and I actually go to a grocery store and fill up a cart with enough groceries to feed two people for an entire week for just a shade over 40 So that information is right there for you. I hope that that helps you out and you find a new job very soon. Dr. Barnard, next question comes to you. This one is from Linda on Facebook. She writes, I'm vegan with severe osteoporosis. Besides weight bearing exercise, what should I do? Are there supplements I should be taking? Uh, Great question. In fact, actually, before we jump into osteoporosis, let me come back to something that, that Dr. Loomis mentioned about iron. And let me underscore the importance of something he said which is that we're better off getting our iron from plant sources than animal sources because 
I mean, because plant sources are the ones where your body can regulate it. And it's not just that plant sources give you the iron. They also allow you to not get too much iron. Back in the 1950s, people thought the more iron, the better. And then they realized that iron can increase the risk of heart disease. And now we know it can increase the risk of Alzheimer's disease. So being too, getting too much iron can be a disaster. So plant-based iron, that's the way to go. And if you have any doubt, don't go out and buy, buy iron pills and things like that. Have your doctor just test your, your levels. It's really, really easy to do if you have any doubt. And uh, your green leafy vegetables are going to keep you in iron. Okay, so um, about your question about healthy bones. Um, it's true that your bones do need calcium. So you need uh, a good source of calcium. You're not going to have dairy, needless to say, on a healthy diet. But that's okay because plant, uh, plants are what supply the calcium that ends up in dairy anyway. Cows don't make calcium. They get calcium from the plants they eat, and we do the same. So you'll get plenty of calcium from broccoli and Brussels sprouts and kale and collards and the other green leafy vegetables. Step two, you need to absorb that, that uh, calcium. And your body uh, will absorb it better if you have plenty of vitamin D on board. Where does the vitamin D come from? It comes from the sun. So if you have 20 minutes or so of sunlight on your face and arms every day, you're going to do well. But if you live in North Dakota where I grew up, then all January, February, March, and April, you're not getting any vitamin D from the sun. So a supplement is a good way to go. Most doctors would say about 2,000 international units a day. Um, it's also important to get good weight-bearing exercise, although I would argue that there's not a strong line between aerobic exercise like running and weight-bearing exercise like weightlifting because when you're running, your spine and your hips are weight-bearing too. So um, any kind of exercise is good. Um, don't forget to get a good evaluation from your doctor, needless to say, uh, but those are some tips that should get you in the right direction. All right. If you have a question for Dr. Barnard or Dr. Loomis, go ahead and post that in the comments section now. The doctor's mailbag is open. Uh, next question for you, Dr. Loomis, comes to us from Patricia at 1215. She writes, I'm intolerant of raw nuts. Is it better to eat them roasted or just to avoid them? Well, um, if you can tolerate roasted nuts, certainly nothing wrong with that. Now, now you, you know, nuts are healthful. They're, they're part of a healthful uh, plant, plant-based diet. You do need a little bit careful, though. Nuts are, have a very, uh, unlike many other plant-based foods like broccoli, nuts do have a fair amount of fat, and it's it's easy to over-consume nuts. I, I know if I were to go to Costco and order get a big, huge thing of roasted peanuts or roasted almonds, I, I could eat I could eat handfuls, and which is not good. So, um, there's but there's nothing wrong with roasted nuts, and uh, but just be mindful of the of the serving size. I mean, you want to limit yourself to you know like a, a little handful here um, a day, a quarter cup or so a day would be helpful. All right. Uh, sticking with you, uh, Dr. Loomis, this one comes to us from a dietitian at 1214. She says, I have a kidney dialysis patient. How can I improve their hemoglobin level as I'm giving him a whole grain and iron rich diet? It kind of goes back to what you and I were talking about earlier. Well, the problem with uh, patients on dialysis and with kidney failure, uh, the kidneys make a hormone called erythropoietin. And erythropoietin uh, poetin, uh, um, triggers our, our bone marrow to make more red blood cells. And that hormone is actually made in the kidneys. And people with chronic kidney failure um, actually don't make that hormone anymore. So sometimes it's very difficult. Uh, some chronic anemia can be a problem uh, with dialysis patients because they, they, they don't make erythropoietin. 
In fact, many uh, dialysis patients, uh, they get injections of erythropoietin, um, um, you know, on a regular basis to help maintain their, their, their um, uh, blood counts. And that's exacerbated because the act of dialysis, uh, it, 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 it can kind of break apart some blood cells. So you lose some blood in the dialysis process if you're doing hemodialysis. Um, so, so typically, um, is, it is important to maintain good iron levels. That's very important because you do have this kind of chronic blood loss with the, 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 uh, uh, with the dialysis itself. And it sounds like you're doing a great job advising your patient. But it may not be enough, and certainly he should talk to the, his renal doctor about, about further treatment. And by the way, that same hormone, you know, is used for doping and, and, and uh, endurance sports because uh, you inject the erythropoietin, it increases your red blood cells, which carry oxygen, and so it provides a performance advantage. And it's outlawed. It's against it's uh, been banned in every, um, um, by the Olympic Committee in every endurance uh, uh, sports Dr. Barn, our next question comes to you from Susan at 1220. She wants to know, does pureeing beans reduce their fiber content? Uh, wonderful question. The short answer is no. Um, <laughs> the, the, the pureeing beans is a fine thing to do. Um, it it uh, alters the texture, makes them more palatable for some folks, um, and it will break up the fiber to a degree, but the fiber is still there. Sticking with you, question from 1223. This one comes to us from Denise. If we aren't able to do 100% plant-based, at what point would we begin seeing benefits of eating this way? For example, if I do 80% plant-based, will I still see benefits? Well, first of all, anything, any step that you make toward a plant-based diet is a good step. So you can pat yourself on the back for, for doing that. Um, but if you're saying you can't do it 100, uh, 100%, I guess I would think, why not? What, what's getting in your way? It's sort of like, can I not be a 100% non-smoker. If I'm an 80% non-smoker, will that help? And the answer is sure, your lungs are glad to get rid of 80% of the tobacco. But if you've got a little cough left, getting rid of that last cigarette is a good thing. Um, your cholesterol test is kind of the same way. Um, and so are weight issues and blood pressure. Meaning when a person gets most of the animal products out of their diet, they do do better. But it's surprising to see the difference between having a little animal products here and there and getting them out completely. What you discover is that weight loss is, is easier. Uh, getting your cholesterol down is more effective. And for that person who couldn't quite get rid of their diabetes, very often that's the change that helps them. So uh, if the if the issue is just a psychological one, like I'm, I'm a little addicted to cheese or something, I can't quite give it up. Let me encourage you to focus on the short term. Get rid of something but for a short period of time, three weeks. For the next three weeks, no animal products. That makes it easier to do. And once you've got three weeks under your belt, you'll just view the world in a different way and it makes it easier to go from there. Heading back over to the Barnard Medical Center for the next question. And Dr. Loomis at 1223, this one comes to us from Laura. She writes, why does HDL drop when one switches to a plant-based diet? So that's a very interesting question, Chuck. Um, so HDL cholesterol, so when we look at total cholesterol, it's made of several components. We have the LDL cholesterol, which is the bad component. We have the HDL cholesterol, which at high levels is, is, a, is, a, is a negative risk factor. It actually reduces risk for heart disease, typically when it's above 60. And then we have VLDL, very low density lipoprotein, which uh, tracks along with triglyceride levels. And it, it's not uncommon to see uh, people who go on a plant, a, a, a really um, um, rigorous, low fat, very high fiber plant-based diet 
to see their HDL levels actually drop. And the reason is the function of HDL, high-density lipoprotein, is reverse cholesterol transport. So it goes out in the bloodstream and gathers up cholesterol molecules and takes them back to the liver to be kind of re-metabolized. And the thing is, when you when your cholesterol levels drop uh, quite low, typically I see that when cholesterol levels are in the 150 range and LDL levels are down, you know, 50, 60 range. Oftentimes, it's not uncommon to see HDL levels drop as well. And that actually happened to me. Um, in medical school, I was a pretty avid runner, a marathon runner. And uh, my cholesterol numbers, I, my total cholesterol was maybe 220. My LDL was a little on the high side, 110 or so. But my HDL was almost 80, uh, quite high. Um, fast forward 45 years or so. Um, now, my I'm, I probably exercise more than I did in medical school. So theoretically, exercise is one of the things that raises HDL. So theoretically, my HDL should be much higher. Well, now my total cholesterol is 150 and my LDL is mid-50s and my, my, my LDL is mid-50s and my HDL is 38, which is low, so less than 40. So uh, and, and sometimes it's hard to convince the cardiologist that that's not an issue because, we, you know, because again, high levels of HDL um, are associated with lower risk, lower layers of heart disease, low le- levels of HDL are associated with an increased risk, but that risk disassociates. Uh, when your HDL levels, when your LDL levels uh, drop into the 50s and 60s. So it's really nothing to worry about. But it's because your liver stops making it because you just don't need it anymore. Dr. Loomis, bring in the science. All right. If you have a question, keep on posting it. We have time for a few more on the program today. Dr. Barnard, coming back to you for this one from Kim at 1224. She writes, I have PCOS and I'm vegan and I try to eat whole food plant-based most of the time. Is it recommended to take vegan pea protein? I don't exercise much, but I do walk. I hear that the PCOS girls should increase their intake of protein. What do you think? Um, Pea protein is fine. Um, Will it help your PCOS? Not particularly. Um, you don't need to take in extra protein to counter to counter PCOS. For people who don't know what we're talking about, polycystic ovary syndrome um, is a condition that was diagnosed way back when, when some women were shown to have cysts on their ovaries. And along with it, they had um, some what you might call sort of masculine traits, a little bit of a maybe a dark facial hair here or there, uh, sometimes weight gain. And uh, their cycle was all goofed up. And as time went on, researchers discovered that it wasn't the cysts causing all these problems. Uh, The problem was they had just a little extra male hormone. As you know, everybody has both. Men and women both have male hormones, female hormones. With PCOS, you just got a little extra male hormone that's kind of goofing these things up. Uh, The the reason people started pushing protein, um, and mistakenly in my view, is that along with PCOS comes a condition called insulin resistance, where your body is not handling insulin very well. So people get um, a little bit of a high blood sugar and some other issues. And so as part of the old-fashioned low-carb school, people would push protein. Mistake. Don't do any of that. Just if you're on a vegan diet now, that's where you need to be, plant-based diet. And the pea protein is fine like any other protein. But here's the key. Keep all oils really low and all fats low. No animal fat, obviously. But keep oils really low too, so the nuts and guacamole keep those low. What that'll do is that will keep the fat from building up in your muscle and liver cells. That will allow your insulin to work well, 
and your ins- your insulin sensitivity will be tackled and you'll feel better. Um, in my new book, Your Body in Balance, if you don't mind my mentioning it, I do have a whole PCOS chapter and you'll read uh, about what I've just described, how to put it to work and about a really wonderful success story of a dietitian in, in Wisconsin named Allison who, who um, had an amazing victory over PCOS. Okay, uh, time for just two more here. Kelly White checking in at 1225. Kelly, uh, my heart goes out to you. Uh, Dr. Loomis, this one is coming your way. She writes, I've been following a whole food, plant-based, no oil diet on and off for five years, but really closely over the last eight months. My weight loss has been slow and ever slower lately with only one pound loss this month. I'm watching my portions and I'm not consuming nuts. I walk for a half an hour a day. I still have 30 pounds to lose. I'm 56. Seven. I'm postmenopausal. Do you have any suggestions? So, you know, when patients plateau on on weight loss, there's a couple things to consider. So, one is to be sure there's no underlying metabolic issues, in particular thyroid disease that can thyroid plays a role in our metabolism. So, if you haven't had a thyroid check in the recent past, I'd certainly encourage you to do that. Um, the other thing that sometimes happens is with exercise when people start to adapt a healthier lifestyle, uh, they start an exercise program and they burn a lot of calories and, and that is, helps them lose weight. Um, but what happens is as you continue exercising, the amount of calories you burn exercising has to do with the amount of work you do. And the amount of work you do is, 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 is determined partly you can kind of measure that by your heart rate. And a rough rule of thumb is uh, you want to, you, you can kind of predict your maximum heart rate. It's a formula 220 minus your age, and that equals your theoretic maximum heart rate. And um, you want to be sure your heart rate's about 60 to 80% uh, of that range um, for 30 minutes up to an hour um, um, every day. And what happens is, is that, you know, you go out for a 30 minute walk. And when you first start this, this, when you first start exercising, your heart rate's up 110, 120, and all is good. But as you get in better physical condition, which is a good thing, not a bad thing, all of a sudden that same amount of work, all of a sudden now your heart rate's only getting up to 90 or 100. So you're not burning nearly as many calories. So I, I would highly encourage you to, to um, monitor your heart rate and just be sure you're meeting those goals. Um, and again, sometimes just increasing the intensity, the duration of the exercise as well, you know, adding another 10 or 15 minutes. It can even be done separately. There's evidence to suggest that, say, a 130-minute and 115-minute session are almost as beneficial as a 45-minute as a um, se- session. Um, and then lastly, as far as diet goes, um, you know, unfortunately, the human brain is not very good at judging how healthful our food is. And Sometimes I will have patients just to spot check and be 100% sure there's no holes in your diet is use an app like Chronometer or MyFitnessPal. Keep a food diary. It's tedious, but keep a food diary, say, for a 24, 48-hour window every couple of weeks and just spot check, you know, that you're, you're meeting your nutrition goals. And there's really only two things you need to pay attention to. You want to be sure your fiber intake is, is greater than 50 grams, hopefully closer to 100 because that's going to make you feel full and because of the nutrient density um, of the food. And um, and then secondly, uh, being sure your fat intake is less than 15 percent of your total calories, preferably closer to 10, because, again, every gram of fat you consume has nine calories. Every gram of protein and carbohydrates, four calories. So really being 100 percent sure you're, you're really and truly following a, a low fat diet is important. Um, the. Um, a friend of, of, of ours, uh, Anthony Lim, L-I-M, has a great YouTube video, a lecture on nutrient density. 
which I found many patients who have reached a weight loss proto- uh, 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 plateau have uh, found helpful. And you, if you just Google that, you'll be able to find that. And I'd encourage you to watch that as well. All right. Dr. Barnard, the final question is yours. And this is one that actually a lot of people have been wondering about today uh, in the comments. They're wondering about the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine. There's been a lot of chatter about that this week, and people are curious. What do we know about that? You mean that hasn't died yet? <laughs> Not just yet, sir. <laughs> okay. Hydroxychloroquine. Okay. Um, this is the fam- one in the family of anti-malarials that when the when when the pandemic arose, the, the first thing you want to do is see if any of the medications you got now can work against uh, this coronavirus because you don't have time to make new new medications. And so that was one of the ones that was tested. And there was some early, uh, not very good indications that it seemed helpful. And so so a lot of people started cheerleading for hydroxychloroquine, thinking that that would give us a good treatment and we could open up businesses and life could get back to normal. Uh, the jury came back into the room and the jury foreman has a verdict. And I got to tell you, hydroxychloroquine does not work. Um, and the, no, it, it's, it's really uh, pretty much a dead issue in, in, in the world of science. We wish that it did work. Um, it can be harmful. Uh, as you have, have heard in, in the press reports, which are true, that for some people it will cause arrhythmias that can be fatal. So, no. Uh, an anti-malarial, yes, for COVID-19, no. If you ever want to join the doctors and ask them a question, we would love to have you join us on the exam room live Monday through Friday. We typically start at noon Eastern over on the Physicians Committee's Facebook page and YouTube channel. Now, I say typically start because coming up this Thursday, August 6th, we're going to be starting early at 9 a.m. And that is because Thursday happens to be the first day for this year's International Conference on Nutrition in Medicine. It's a huge three-day event, August 6th through 8th, a virtual who's who in the medical world, presenting the latest research, cutting-edge science on nutrition and health and diets. Check this out. Here, Here is who is speaking. This is just a sampling of the speaker lineup this year. Dr. Neil Barnard, he will be there presenting on a number of things, but... One of the topics he will be discussing is a presentation he's doing with Dr. Christy Cobb. And together they will be talking about nutrition and sex hormones. And then Dr. Shivam Joshi, if you recall, he was on the show not too terribly long ago. He will be presenting the latest research on how a plant-based diet can improve your kidney health. That's really important. I was surprised when we started to do this show how many people wrote in wondering about a vegan diet and their kidneys? Is there a connection? You bet there is. So that's what he's going to be talking about. And Dr. Vanita Rahman will be presenting as well. Now, this is a hugely important topic. Going to be talking about plant-based diets and hypertension. You think about how many COVID-19 patients right now who are just having a time of it with the virus how important it is to get hypertension and high blood pressure under control. So she's going to be talking about that. And then on day two of the conference, which is all online this year, by the way, for the first time ever, completely virtual. 
On day two of the conference, doctors Walter Willett and David Katz will be giving this talk. What's behind nutrition controversies? Making sense of the science. How great is that, right? You think about all the conflicting studies that are out there, all the, all the headlines that seem to contradict each other. So what is behind all of these controversies? And how do we make sense of it all? Well, they will be telling us on day two of ICNM. And we can't forget about, of course, our friend Dr. Kim Williams will be there. Dr. Michael Greger will be presenting as well as will Dr. Danielle Bellardo. And that's just the start. There are so many people who will be speaking at this conference, all of them leaders in the field of nutrition and medicine. So check that out at pcrm.org slash ICNM, three days, August 6th through 8th. More information than you could possibly ever hope for. And here's the cool thing. Just for exam room listeners, we have a 20% discount off the cost of registration. So when you head over to pcrm.org slash ICNM and you use the promo code EXAM20, lowercase, EXAM, and then the number 20, you will save 20% off registration for this three-day conference, August 6th through 8th. We've got all of that information in the episode notes as well, plus a link to register. And one more quick ask. If you're listening to this on a web browser or you have not yet subscribed to the show, please go ahead and do that. Head over to Apple Podcast or Spotify. Hit that subscribe button for the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee. And please also leave a five-star rating. Because when you do that, you help us reach even more people. And the more people we reach, the healthier, hopefully, this world can become also makes it easier for the people who really need to find this information, this potentially life-changing and saving information. It makes it easier for them to find it as well because it helps us climb a little bit higher in the rankings every time somebody subscribes and leaves that five-star rating. And so the more people that do that, the easier it becomes for people to find the show. But for today... That's going to wrap things up. On behalf of Drs. Neil Barnard and Jim Loomis and everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe, take a stand, and keep it plant-based. <laughs>